You had a a statewide phone conference with media yesterday. I'm going to play this little clip and uh, get your reaction from that. The White House delayed my meeting with Mr. Kavanaugh, which was supposed to take place this week. But I look forward to sitting down with him because I will, and we will find out how he stands on a number of issues that are important to Montanans, like women's health care, net neutrality, right to privacy, campaign finance reform. So when do you think that meeting is going to be, Senator? Well, it's it's really it's, it's in the White House's hands, and and I, you know, look. To be fair, he's he's busy. He's got to meet with a hundred senators, and uh, and he, they told us they wanted to meet with uh, the committee members first, which I understand. Although he's meeting with some folks off the committee, which was neither here nor there. Um, we're probably going to be back in next week. I would anticipate we'll take a run at it then, see if we can meet with him next week. If not, uh, September and. Uh, I don't anticipate the vote on him will happen much before the end of September, 1st of October. So we basically have another month. Uh, and so we'll make it happen, and we'll have a good conversation. I really do look forward to it because uh, those one-on-one eyeball-to-eyeball meetings are really important uh, uh, when you're talking about lifetime appointments to a court. So we're, we're still in process of gathering information. Uh, and from that information we gather, we'll have a list of questions similar to what I talked about yesterday on the radio. Uh, to uh, to ask uh, the nominee Kavanaugh uh, about, and uh, so we'll we'll do our best job to vet him uh, as good as we possibly can, uh, and then we're probably going to wait till after the judicial committee has their hearing on him, uh, where he will be asked questions by people off the judiciary committee, and. Uh, and then we'll make a decision uh, whether we're going to support him or not. You know, uh, this week uh, you had a uh, talk with uh, the SEC chairman. Uh, this talk about that a little bit, and uh, you were kind of angry a little bit about that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, well, it was. It had to do with uh, 5G, <clears throat> and uh, 5G is uh, the level of of uh, intensity, I guess you would call it, that you get on your cell phone. Um, and, and we're in a race with the world to be the leader in 5G, and I think it's a race worth trying to win. My concern is is that the focus is going to be all on populated areas, um, and they've already said as much. Uh, places like Indianapolis are, are going to be uh, the first places to get 5G. I had made a recommendation uh, to some of the providers that they make billings. Uh, the 5G. Why? Because we're a rural state. Billings is the biggest town in our rural state. So why not see how this 5G is going to work in a rural area, too? Overall, my concern is, is that as they work to try to get 5G in, across this nation, uh, the populated areas will get it. And look, there are plenty of folks out there who don't even get 1G. I mean, their phone doesn't work. Their texts don't work. And the map shows that it should work, but the map is very uh, corrupt, too, quite frankly. And so we, uh, I, what I told uh, Jit Pai, the, the head of the FCC, is they need to fix their maps, and they need to make sure that as they're working for 5G around the country, they don't forget about rural America, because we need 5G, and guess what? We even need 1G, 2G, 3G, and 4G, because there's a lot of places that don't have that. So as we look to expand, and, and look, uh, cell phones are something that, that are, uh, I mean, they're, they're great and they're, they're horrible at the same time. You can't get away from them, but, but at the same time, when you need them, it's pretty nice when uh, you just pick up the phone and call somebody, especially if you're stranded. But, but the bottom line is, if those cell phones don't work, you have the perception that, that you can call somebody and you pick up the phone and guess what? No service. We need to get service for everybody, including rural America, and that is what I tried to impress upon 
the chairman of the FCC. I think it is critically important as we try to move forward with all this stuff, um, technology, that we don't forget about rural America because it's important to the 21st century economy for Montana also. This talk about uh, some of your legislation that you want to get through, your uh, firefighter cancer registry bill, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause yeah, it's, that, that's a big deal. Um, I mean, it creates a national registry basically to identify the links between cancer and firefighting. Um, it, it hits... Uh, it hit pretty close to home for Montana because uh, there's a firefighter up in up in Great Falls that uh, has cancer. He's young, I mean, really young, has a young family, and uh, quite frankly, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that the reason he has cancer is because of the toxins that he's been exposed to as a firefighter. It's one of the dangers of the the business. It's why we love our first responders because they put themselves in positions that normal people wouldn't do it to to save lives. And uh, I think it's just the right thing to do because it will create this national registry to uh, to be able to allow f- firefighters to be able to get health care benefits and and survivor benefits. Quite frankly, you know uh, when, uh, when cancer occurs. Yeah, I'm going to play this clip here this morning. It's a news story about uh, Montana VA. Turnover remains high at top level positions at the Montana VA. The Chief of Staff for the Veterans Affairs Montana Healthcare System resigned from his position in April. There's similar turnover at the top position at the VA at Fort Harrison. Five directors have led the Montana VA system since 2009. Your thoughts on that story? Well, I, it's correct. It's, it's, it's uh, absolutely a correct uh, story. And, it's, and uh, he could also have went to Washington, D.C. at VA here. They've lost an incredible number of career appointees since, since Shulkin left. Uh, it's a big problem. Uh, and, you know, we need to have the best of the best. So some of these folks may be leaving because, uh, uh, because of challenges in, in, in work product. On the other side of the coin, some of them are, are leaving because uh, they're not treated fairly or uh, they don't like the working conditions. But we need to make sure that we are staffed up fully within the VA, whether it's VA Montana or whether it's the VA back here. Why? Because we've been at war for 17, 18 years now. And uh, we've got a lot of veterans that are being created every day. And, uh, and we need to make sure that we live up to their promises. I have worked with, and one of the biggest conversations I had with the new VA secretary, Wilkie, was if we don't get the docs and the nurses and the administrative personnel, quite frankly, to be able to do the, the, uh, the benefits checks, um, we're not going to be able to meet the needs of our veterans in this country. And, and look, the VA is under attack. There are a lot of folks out there, quite frankly, who aren't even veterans who want to privatize the VA. I think that's, uh, that's not the best way to go. I think you use the private sector to fill in the gaps. But if you don't have the staff on board, the docs, the nurses, the, the healthcare, mental health care professionals on board, to be able to meet the needs of our veterans, and they can't get those services within the private sector, we've got a major problem. So, um, look, uh, it's something we're pushing on VA all the time. I'm pushing both on the director of VA Montana and on the secretary of the VA back here to make sure we get staffed up. And we've given them tools. I'm telling you, we've, we've put bills out of the Senate uh, Veterans Affairs Committee, got them to the president's desk, and the president has signed them that will allow the VA to utilize tools like uh, debt repayment uh, so that when they go to college, if they go to work for the VA, they can get some debt repayment to be able to plus up their salaries to make sure that they're, they're uh, commensurate with the private sector. So we have done a lot of things to give the VA the tools they need to not only recruit, but to retain 
the individuals they need. Now they need to step up and do it. And we're going to be doing, I've already talked to Johnny Isaacson, the chair of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, about doing some oversight committee hearings on exactly this issue. And so I think this fall you're going to see some of that. So what do you feel like as a U.S. Senator when you give the VA the tools and they just don't use them? Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly it, and uh, that's why, quite frankly, uh, you've got you've to knock heads around to the point where they understand it. Now, look, Wilkie just came on board about a month ago. I think he's a good man. Uh, I think he understands the challenges, and uh, we're going we're gonna to push him. And I've told him this. I've said, look, we're, we're watching you like a hawk, man. You've got no honeymoon period. You've got to move because, quite frankly, the VA needs to get staffed up. And uh, we will hold them accountable. We'll hold their feet to the fire. And it will be done in a bipartisan way, I assure you. And, uh, and we'll make sure that we get staffed up. We'll make sure the disability repeals reform bill that we passed works. We'll make sure that the tools we gave them to hold their staff accountable is done for work product reasons and not political reasons, because we've heard that some people have been released because they had a different view on politics. That's crazy. You get a good doc, you get a good nurse, they're doing a good job, you keep them. Uh, differences of opinion aren't a bad thing. They're actually a very good thing. So we're going to be watching them. We're going to be watching them pretty hard. And I'm not going to be the only one. There's going to be a lot of folks back here that, that work hard on VA issues that are going to be, uh, you know, push, pushing the VA to get it done. Because, quite frankly, when Shulkin left, we lost an incredible number of career employees out of the VA. Some people could say, well, that's really a good thing. It isn't, because that institutional memory went out the door with them when they left. And so we've got a lot of work to do. You know, I had a great conversation yesterday with a gentleman that you know, Miguel Gonzalez. What a yeah. great guy. And uh, he kind of heads up the uh, Warrior Wishes Montana a little bit. And you know, that's a, such a great organization because the VA can't do everything. And you need, you know, these organizations to help veterans out because the veterans are very proud people. And yep. sometimes they have a hard time asking for help. But you got organizations like this and people like Miguel out there helping the veterans. And he was a veteran who is, you know, suffering PTSD. Yep. So the, these organizations are needed. Are we giving these organizations enough help? It, ever think about, you know, like we give, you know, billions and billions of dollars to the VA. How about if we give some money to some of these organizations like this? Well, I think, look, I, I think they, what they would tell you is if you want to give me money, we'd take it. But the fact of the matter is, is that they do a really good job. All those veteran service organizations out there have pushed us on a lot of issues, uh, issues of accountability, for example. That accountability bill that we passed, controversial bill, very controversial, but it would have never passed if the veteran service organizations hadn't stepped up uh, and said, we need this, the VA needs this. And so what, what I would tell you is uh, if, if we start – if we start handing out money to veteran service organizations, the question becomes who gets it and who doesn't get it because there's like 37 or 38 of them back here that work regularly, and I don't even think I'm including Miguel's organizations, if you want to know the truth. But the bottom line is they play an important role because it allows, and I, I encourage all veterans to, to sign up with a VFW or American Legion or Iraq, Afghanistan vets or the Vietnam Veterans of America. There's, like I said, there's 37 of them, so you can, you can pick the one you want because they do such a great job advocating for veterans across this country. And, uh, and I will tell you, I try to meet with them on a quarterly basis, either individually as a group, and we listen to them because, quite frankly, we take our direction. I take my direction from the veterans who are on the ground. 
and uh, and that's a fact. And uh, and so we appreciate those groups. Uh, Miguel's group in particular, he's built built it from from little or nothing to a, an incredibly effective group. And uh, and it why it's positive is because these groups help veterans get the benefits that they've earned. And by the way, they also help veterans if they just need to talk. And oftentimes, when you we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. This is about talking to people who have been through the war, literally, and uh, and being able to iron out some of the problems that are out there because uh, because you know they they come you know they've come out of a tough situation. I've been over to Afghanistan and, and Iraq. Those those places are 180 degrees off from Montana. I'll just tell you that. And these guys and gals go over there and they work. They work hard. They put it on the line, and it's going to affect you. It's the way human nature is. So these veteran service organizations, you come back, you get together with your comrades, talk about some of the challenges that, that they're facing, and, and, and talk through it. That's a big help also. You know, if you have a calendar in front of you, I want to put the, uh, you put this date down. September 23rd, it's the Freedom Run that uh, Miguel's organization's, uh, you know, putting on. If you sign up, I'm going to sign up. They, they do have a mile crawl. Really? Yeah. All right. Now, is that is that's a Wednesday, isn't it? No, I think it's a Saturday. Is it a Saturday? Yeah. Now, I tell you what, if we got out there, Fredericks, I mean, it would be a sprint <laughs> to the finish line. Because I know how competitive you are, and I'm telling you what, man, it's, it'd be, we'd be knocking elbowing one another and throwing people around. And it'd be great fun. Oh, well, thank you for coming on this morning, sir. Appreciate it, Scott. Take care, man. You betcha. Uh, U.S. Senator John Tester this morning, News Talk 730. Montanans have their 